This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Authentic yoga is just listening to the heart and acting from that truth. Valeria Tellez interviews Fiona Agambar, the author of Yoga Therapy for Stress, Burnout, and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Fiona Agambar is a yoga therapist and teacher in the Krishnamacharya tradition. She originally trained with the Yoga for Health Foundation in 2001, then qualified as a KHYF teacher in 2011, and is accredited as an advanced teacher with the British Wheel of Yoga, BWY. She has studied under Bill Feeney, Jill Lloyd, Sarah Ryan, TKV Desikachar, his son, Dr. Kaustub Desikachar, and also the Zen teacher, Adyashanti. She specializes in teaching yoga for fatigue conditions, including CFS, ME, burnout, stress, and long COVID. Fiona was a trustee of action for ME, a major UK charity, for eight years. She has set up teaching modules on stress and fatigue for Yoga Campus, which she ran for several years together with CPD Days for the BWY, before she took five years out to nurse her husband, who was terminally ill. She was one of the key speakers for Global Yoga Therapy Day in August 2020 on exhaustion, overwhelm, and burnout. In March 2021, she contributed to an advisory meeting for the British Council of Yoga Therapy on guidelines for teaching those with long-term COVID. She has recently delivered a successful introductory course for teachers on burnout, CFS, and long COVID with Sarah Ryan. She currently runs classes online for those with fatigue and has referrals for long COVID from a major teaching hospital in the UK. Fiona is the author of the book and DVD, Beat Fatigue with Yoga, Cherry Red Books, and her most recent book, which was recently published, sold out after three months. She regularly contributes to UK journal Spectrum and OM. Fiona has Lyme disease, which she manages with yoga. She is passionate about campaigning to change attitudes to those with fatigue conditions and describes herself as a feminine rest activist. Meet Fiona at fionaagambar.co.uk. Here is the interview with Fiona Agambar. In your own words, who is Fiona Agambar? She is a yoga teacher and a writer, and I also think of myself as a rest activist. Rest activist. Talk to me for a moment about that. Sounds really good to me. (laughs) I want to educate the world on the need to take more time out, to rest, to take downtime, 
to stop all this pushing and driving and striving that we're doing, which is making us all so sick and stressed and driven. Um, and, you know, hopefully the virus has given us the opportunity to stop a little, but we need to use that opportunity to really think about things so that we're not going back into our patterns of pushing and driving again, which is something that I attribute to the patriarchy. And I don't mean that in any way against men, because I think they suffer as much as we women do. But it's just I, I think that we certainly need to be taking more downtime. Do you feel that at this time we are making this moving toward this uh, shift of perspective, of consciousness? You know, that's a very interesting question. It's, it's a question I ask myself. And from my perspective, yes, we are. But then I tend to hang out with other yoga teachers or spiritual teachers or with my own students. Um, so clearly within that demographic, people are shifting towards slowing down and being more mindful. But how it is out in the other parts of the world, in other communities, I don't know. I, I tend to avoid the news because um, yeah. I just find it all so negative. Yeah, so we, in a way, it's challenging to know overall if we are changing and yeah, moving toward this way of living that is so much more in harmony with nature, with who we I are. Mean, can, can I ask, what do you think? I think so too, because it has something shift in myself, like last year, 2020. I have seen this movement within my own consciousness resting, less resistance, and because my understanding that we all connected, all minds, everything is one, it's connected, then if I am changing or something in this life piece here, it's yes. changing, then yeah, it's an, a sign that something has taken place in as a whole and something it is happening. Yes, there is this theory, isn't there, that if you get enough people, and it's something like 10%, that are all practicing in a particular way, it affects everyone. And I think that's been seen in nature with chimpanzees, where you teach them to use certain tools, and then they find that chimpanzees in a different area are learning the same skills. So yes, let, let's hope so. Yeah, I, I do feel that. Although when I look around me, really, at um, my, my family, like close family members, my husband, and I see that he has not really shifted or changed in this way. It might mean in the way that I want him to change, which is a very egotistic thing. So it might be that expectation that maybe limits us to see the truth that we are changing slowly. It might be very subtle, Fiona. I think it's really hard because we all want to be members of society and we want to fit in. And when we see the society around us acting, in this kind of crazy driven way, we normalize it and we think, well, we should be like that too. We should be out there competing. And I think it's harder for men as well because there's a certain expectation that society puts on them. And men, and I'm generalizing, so I do apologize, but men generally are not, they're not quite as emotionally literate as women are. So again, I think it's, you know, it's harder for them and we, we have to help them with this. Yes, um, I agree. And I'm trying to do my best yeah, around him. And But it is a, a challenge to, I mean, a challenge in the sense when it goes to, that's why I'm very aware of the ego, what it wants to do, like how the ego wants the world to be and people to be, the chains 
because that is not really a perspective that comes from the soul, from the divine, as we call it. It doesn't seem to be because from that perspective, everything is included and it's okay. Everything the way it is, life the way it is, is just fine. That's right. But of course, the ego doesn't like change. And we're seeing rapid change at the moment. And for many people, that's putting them into fear. And you're quite right. The true self is open and welcoming everything that's happening. But, you know, most of us are ego driven. And I don't mean that in a detrimental way. That's just how we are. That's the duality that we find ourselves in. Um, So therefore, change is threatening. And, you know, we just have to do our best to go with the change and to help those around us to adapt as well. Talk to me for a moment about yoga. We talked briefly off record about the meaning of the word yoga. So, yeah, let's start with that, Fiona, when it comes to your work and what you do in your book uh, titled Yoga Therapy for Stress, Burnout and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Yes. So yoga is a Sanskrit word. Um, And it has different definitions according to different Vedic texts, but it's generally held to mean union um, from the root word yug. And um, again, this has different interpretations, but generally, certainly in the tradition I teach in, this is understood as the union of the small self known as the Atman with the divine self, if you like. So it's it's using the language you were just using it's kind of coming out of the ego to see that we are one with the divine how did you become interested in yoga i became interested in yoga because i was very sick um i had chronic fatigue syndrome also we call it in the uk me and i had been running a busy public relations business and i became very very sick after i had a virus in 1992 And I was so ill, I couldn't even wash my hair or make a cup of tea. And I ended up in hospital. And then I was in a wheelchair, really very, very weak. And one day, my husband was helping me out in the local shopping area. And I came across um, a yoga teacher. And she said that she knew a few other people like myself who had this kind of new illness, chronic fatigue syndrome. And she proposed setting up a small yoga class for us, which she did. And the very first class I went to, my mind became still in the practice. And that was just something so amazing and so unique for me that that really got me into yoga. And eventually I recovered from chronic fatigue syndrome and I put yoga down. It's a huge part of my recovery. From your perspective, what is it about yoga specifically that causes us or that promotes healing? It's because the second yoga sutra talks about yoga coming by, yoga happens when the mind becomes still. And that's not a particularly good translation, but that's really what yoga is about. Um, And I think in the West, we have taken yoga and, you know, cultural approbation. We have made it into something which is about the body and about looking beautiful in amazing postures that we put on Instagram. But actually, yoga is a method going back thousands of years, which is about the flow of energy and it's about calming the mind and it's about inner peace. So that's quite different, I think, from how it's taught so often today in the West. And again, you know, with the pandemic, I think maybe those of us in yoga are reevaluating and going back to our roots. 
sometimes we think about resting in a sense of laziness. A lot of people interpret it that way. What I feel, so I'm going to ask you the questions about um, resting within movement, within doing. Is that something that you experience often? That's a really interesting question for two reasons. Firstly, one of the Yoga Sutras talks about when you hold a posture, uh, the actual Sanskrit is uh, stira sukham, and it means that when you hold a posture, there is a kind of alertness, but there's also this sweet rest. Again, it depends how you translate it, but it kind of means also in the Bhagavad Gita, they talk about action within inaction. So, it, yes, it's about this alertness, this awareness within whatever you're doing. So that's the, the first part of the question I'd, I'd like to answer. But you mentioned that we can be seen as being lazy if we rest. And that's something I kind of want to challenge because I think we've taken that too far, you know, in the last maybe 50 years or so, because we have become a society which is so driven towards by the ego towards profit or success or whatever it is, you know, that we're in danger of burning up the planet and ourselves. And because this idea of resting or stopping is seen as as something which is lazy, whereas actually being and not doing is incredibly important and we do need to stop. Yeah, so this is something that we have been conditioned to believe in. That's a a false belief. It is a false belief, but everybody's doing it. So we have to maybe ask what is truth. Mm. And that's something that only our own heart and instinct can tell us. And to listen to our hearts, we have to become very still and quiet. Otherwise, we just get drowned out in all the noise of the society around us. That might be also because of the connection piece, the component within us too. We are driven, we, some say, wired to connect. That goes back to that idea of balance, too, that we spoke actually off record. This movement, this dance of always knowing what is true and going back to it. But it's okay to to become imbalanced because it seems to me like life cannot, in a human body, cannot be perfect. It cannot be always in balance. Right, Fiona? A, a human body can't be perfect and it can't always mm-hmm. be in balance. But I think it's helpful when we have an awareness of that. So we... Yeah are aware, you know, if we are still enough, if we then go back into the fast dance of life, we're aware enough to know when we've got out of balance so that we can then pull back again. And the other thing you just mentioned, you were talking about connection and that we're wired for connection. And yeah, absolutely we are. And I think you were kind of suggesting that in the context of we want to fit in with what society is doing. But I see human connection. And again, I think the pandemic is maybe showing us this but it has to be a genuine human connection from the heart you know you look someone in the eye you give them time you're really with them you're present with them and that's that kind of soul deep connection that I think we hopefully are going towards now rather than the more false connection of the ego of trying to fit in and to be like everybody else from the position of fear So that's a very important message. I love the way you speak, the clarity from which you speak of. Trying to fit in is not connecting. Obviously, it's not. That's not actually not knowing who we are, right? If we are trying to fit in. It's not a heart connection. It's more a head connection. And again, you know, I think this is the problem today that so many of us living in our heads, 
we're not in our bodies. We somehow need to drop our awareness down to our bodies to become more embodied and to, to live and speak from the heart. And then that's where the connection comes about. And then that's where the balance comes about that you're talking about so that we can go off into the dance of life, but we know when we need to stop and when we need to be still. Thank you for your message and your work, Fiona. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your lovely questions. Oh, They're inspiring you. me. <laughs> and I do have some other warm-up questions for you. And the purpose of life, have you pondered? Have you thought about in a sense of having an answer to that question? <laughs> what is the purpose of being here? I want to laugh hysterically when you said that, Valeria, because it's such a big question. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just joke and give a glib answer. I would say that for me, probably most of my life, I've been asking that question. Yeah. What is the purpose of life? Because I'm, you know, I think for some of us, that's really important. Um, I do quite a lot of study with the American teacher, Adi Shanti. And I was at a um, satsang on a retreat with him once and somebody asked him this and he, he went very quiet and he pondered. And he said, really, the purpose of life is just to be fully in this moment here now. Um, and, you know, for me, that is the truth. So that's what, if there's any striving, obviously striving is not the right word, trying is not the right word, but it, it's more like letting go to be in the moment. That is our purpose rather than trying, because once we want to strive or be something other than what we want, we're always thinking ahead into the future. But it's, but it's being here, enjoying what is right now in front of us. Yes, that resonates so true. So the most important question to ask ourselves, it's not even who we are, but are we present? Are we here? Are you here? Yes. And I mean, you were talking earlier that, you know, sometimes things are difficult in the moment, but then from our hearts, we welcome in the difficult times too. And usually we want to distract ourselves from the moment because they're suffering. But actually, if we can welcome in the difficult times too and the difficult emotions, that helps us to open our hearts and that helps us to be more present, to be yet more present. Healing. What is healing to you? And what are some of the misconceptions about healing, Fiona? Well, you are such lovely, deep questions. I think the, we think, you know, or the ego thinks, modern society thinks that healing is about having a perfect body perfect mind, perfect life. But actually, going back to what I just said, I think healing is about being as happy as we can be in this moment. And I'm a yoga therapist, and I try to work with my clients to make them as happy as they're able to be within the moment. But, you know, some people might have a condition that is not curable, or um, they might have very difficult circumstances. And as soon as we talk about Healing, we have to be careful that we're not talking about a point in the future, because, again, that's taking us out of the moment. So to me, healing is accepting what we have now, even if there's pain or fatigue or stress. It's about trying to do our best to embrace that, to be with that and to be happy with what we've got rather than unhappy with what we haven't got. Wow. So. It keeps going back to the present moment, being present. That's uh, something that we hear a lot. The power of now, Eckhart Tolle, he really explored that. I, I love his book. 
his book changed my life as it has so many, I think. He has is doing a wonderful job in this reality of helping so many of us to understand the depth of ourselves in life. I, actually, if I can just kind of add in a little anecdote, I first read his book, it was probably about 2003, and a lot of people were talking about it. And when I first read it, it made me incredibly anxious. <laughs> and, um, and I remember talking to my homeopath at the time, and she said, well, it shouldn't make you anxious. You know, people are waking up, people are loving it. But the reason it made me anxious was because I realized I was a really long way away from that. And I also realized that what he was writing was the truth. And I knew that somehow I had to bridge the gap and get my life to be about what he was talking about. Right. So my life from 2003 then became kind of a quest mm -hmm. because at least from his book, I had the direction of what purpose and truth were. As of today, would you say that you are there in a sense of presence most of the time or all the time? Not always. No, sometimes right. not. Um, you know, I, I do my best. Sometimes I am, but it's always a work in progress, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a dance. <laughs> I love that yeah, it's word. A dance. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what is your idea of freedom, Fiona? That word, how do you define freedom? Freedom is when the mind no longer has attachments and that whatever is happening, we're not disturbed by. So what we're not suffering anymore because we're accepting that things are just as they are. And we're allowing everything to be as it is. Yes. Um, yeah, that makes me think about the word that you used before that I use all the time. I have a book titled Inner Peace. That's what freedom is to me. Yes. That inner yeah. peace. Yeah. I mean, I re recently, well, I'm not recently in the last, I, I was married and my husband died of cancer at the end of 2019. And I have to say a lot of the time I was in deep resistance uh, because my role as a carer was very, very difficult and my health deteriorated through looking after him. Uh, and I was really noticing so much resistance in myself. However, the teachings of people like Adi Shanti and Eckhart Tolle and yoga really helped me to notice this and to stay present with it and to even embrace the resistance. So I think, you know, when we have times of suffering and difficulty, we can use that as our work to it's like grist to the mill it's to help us become more conscious to help us you know it's like this too this too i accept this too when we are living from that place of the heart as you call it that's when beauty arises yeah love and when, and when we can just let go yeah mm -hmm. and and i mean yeah. another example that a lot of my dark stuff came up during this time so there were times when I was very angry or anxious or resentful. Yeah. And again, it was about embracing that, just allowing it, allowing it. You know, just like the trees allow their leaves mm. to fall off in autumn and they don't say, oh, no, why are my leaves falling off? <laughs> yes, no <laughs> it's, complaining. <laughs> it's the, the example, like you say, of nature. Yeah, it's the most beautiful thing Yeah, to watch. Yeah, how graceful yeah, nature is. Even the storms and that what it, for a lot of people, you know, they interpret as being angry, the anger or the uh, the rage of nature. But even that there is and that's because allowance. Yeah, they're just moving, dancing with life. No resistance. 
So we wrote the book, as I mentioned earlier, Yoga Therapy for Stress, Burnout and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. What was the main inspiration and intention of writing your book, Fiona? The main inspiration was partly because I had been on a long journey with fatigue and stress myself, and I'd learned so much through my own journey. But also I had, I've worked with mm, hundreds, maybe thousands of people with these conditions, and I'd learned so much from my students that I felt I wanted to share that. And originally I was writing the book for my students, and I said to my editor, I want to write this for people who've got chronic fatigue. But actually the publisher said, no, we want you to write this for yoga teachers. So in the end, it, it became a book for yoga teachers, but also for people with chronic fatigue and burnout. And ironically, when I was writing the book, of course, there wasn't the pandemic. Um, and I handed the manuscript in just uh, literally three weeks after my husband died at the end of 2019. And then, of course, we had the pandemic. And then I started to have people with uh what we call in the UK long COVID, I think you call long haulers. Is that right? I actually not familiar with either of those terms for some reason. I never heard of them before. So th these are people who had COVID-19, but are not recovering and they're developing chronic fatigue after they've, they've had it. So in other words, they're not actually recovering from having COVID-19. So uh, this kind of client was beginning to come to my online classes. Um, and actually, I had quite a few people from America because I do a class that's in the evening in the UK, but it's it suits the American time zones, too. But anyway, so my editor gave me an opportunity to write about COVID, too, in the book. But the point I'm, I'm getting to is that when I wrote it, I had no idea that there would be a pandemic. But it seems very appropriate now because so many people are getting burnt out and stressed and fearful and tired. So I think the book's become very relevant and you know it, it, it's kind of like a I can't say happy coincidence because obviously the situation is not happy but yeah. you know it is a coincidence that it's come out now yeah or oh, not a coincidence at all right no yeah no such thing <laughs> as, as they say yes so yoga therapy that you are a therapist yoga therapist and teacher do you offer these classes online yes so I do oh, them on zoom yeah that's great to know. Anyone can apply for it, can sign up or? Anyone can sign up okay. and I do it on donation because a lot of the people I work with are on benefits or they're on low income. So people just pay me what they can afford. So, yes. So I, as I say, I do it twice a week. Um, and most of the U.S. Canadian people. Uh, clients come on a Wednesday evening. Well, it's afternoon or morning for them. There's a question I wanted to ask about feeling tired and fatigued, tired and relaxed. How do we know the difference? Because sometimes I get to that state of being body mind that I'm not sure if I'm tired or I'm too relaxed. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is where we have to be quiet and tune into our body so that we learn. Um, and sometimes you're quite right, because sometimes you go out for a walk in nature and then you feel energized and you think, yeah, you know, I actually did need to do something. So that happens particularly if you're maybe a little bit stressed. But if you're on the uh, burnout scale or you've even got chronic fatigue, I think you've got to be a little bit more careful there. And there it's about learning to pace yourself. 
And there's a difference then in the kind of fatigue that you might have. That's more like a poison deep fatigue where you might ache and feel really unwell. So that, that's a slightly different kind of fatigue. But I see, um, you know, it, it's a bit like a scale. The scale's not the right word. I can't think of the right word. But um, at one end of the spectrum, that's the word. So at one end of the spectrum, you have stress. And then maybe in the middle, you have burnout. And then right at the far end, you have ME, chronic fatigue syndrome, where people might be extremely ill. So it kind of depends where on that spectrum you are. It's about listening into your body, understanding your body, and then knowing that maybe, yes, I do need to do a little bit of exercise, or actually, I would benefit more if I did a long, deep yoga nidra, which is a deep relaxation, or, or you know, I had, I had more deep rest. Yeah, so there is a difference, and it's important that we are aware. So it goes back to the advice or the idea you suggested earlier about self-awareness and awareness. That's key. I love the way in a book, the way you describe yoga in different areas, you say different things, but they all the same thing to me. Uh, yoga practice should ideally be one to one because each of us is unique and does require a yoga program designed for the individual. So you see classes everywhere, lots of people. I never practiced really yoga in that way for some reason, never interested me. It, that's interesting to hear this from you. Classically, yoga was always taught one-to-one. -one. That's how, you know, if you go back through the centuries in India, that's how it, how it was presented. And that's because we all have different patterns or conditioning in, in yoga. That's known as samskaras. So we develop conditioning from our parents, from our peer group, from our education, from the country we're born in. And even things like climate affect us and the diet we eat. This means that we all develop unique set of patterns, unique set of conditioning. So a yoga therapist can work with somebody with their unique condition, their unique conditioning, which you're not going to get in a class. Having said that, it can be nice to be in a class because of the community spirit. So I'm not saying that that's not right in any way. But if you have a particular health ailment, um, you might not find that help by going to a class, you might help find that's helped much more by a one-to-one -one approach with a yoga therapist. I might be paraphrasing just uh, one word away, but you say authentic yoga is just listening to the heart and acting from that truth. And that is so beautiful to me. Yes, I, I think that that's something I've learned over the years from my teachers and from myself on my own life journey, that it, it really is about listening to the heart And what's become really apparent to me is that 2020, 2021, pandemic times, you know, turmoil in political times, there's a lot of um, untruth being spoken on social media and in our newspapers and in our media. It's really difficult to know what to believe and what not to believe. So this is where the message of the heart becomes apparent so that we can then tune into what is that telling me, not what I'm reading in the newspaper, not what society is putting pressure on me to, to believe. Um, you know, because there are, there are lots of things that we're not sure what is true and what isn't true. Um, is the science true? Isn't it true? 
Well, you know, that's just an example. Science is science, and I'm not dissing it in any way. But also, we need to be a society which also embraces our intuition and our heart as well. It is as important. There is a danger, I think, that we worship science so much that we lose that intuition, that heart center, that truth of ourselves. And that's the voice that we really need to listen to. Yes, I agree. And it might be this for those who only listen to scientific studies and are just preoccupied with science, they might be coming from that space of the ego mind, the mental, the mind. Yes, again, that's part of the patriarchy. And you know, again, right. I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just right. how society is at the moment. It's very heady. It's very intellectual. But um, I like to think, you know, in yoga circles, that there's something called the, the rise of the divine feminine, which is coming about, which is more empathic, more heart-centered, more compassionate. And that's not, you know, that's not anti-male in any way, because I think men need, men will benefit from this sense of compassion too. But hopefully we're moving away from this kind of intellectual, rational reasoning of everything, which negates emotions which negates empathy mm. and compassion and that's a call for all of us to trust and be courageous right Fiona in the sense of expressing the heart's truth without feeling embarrassed I guess or shame that's interesting because I remember feeling that way like even ashamed to talk from the heart because I was in an environment that was so intellectual And then I tried yes. to be as intellectual as I could be just to fit to in. Fit in. Yeah, yeah, that was the saddest thing to uh, memories I have. I think you said something really important there, which is you're talking about courage. And uh, the word courage comes from cour, or I think it's Latin, but it's also French. And that means heart, um, which is actually something I learned from my dear friend, Leah Barnett, who helped me to, with, with the book. Um So courage and, and the heart, you know, often come from the same, mean the same thing. And you can't come from the heart unless you have courage. And one of the people that's helped, somebody I admire really, who's really helped me a lot is um, Brené Brown. Because, you know, she talks a lot about being vulnerable and that you have to have the courage to be vulnerable. And it's, it's the same thing, really. You know, it, it, it is this more feminine side, I think, about be, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable not feeling that we've always got to show that we're tough and not putting this front on, but being real. And that does take an awful lot of courage because it means being truthful. And sometimes that's really mm. scary. Yeah. It kind of makes a lot of sense. That takes a, a lot of courage. Yeah. Of the, the heart energy It is just to use that. It takes that kind of power to be truthful because it's not something that it's easy It might be simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. No, it's about being authentic. But oh, that is so, I mean, when we talk about rest, it just makes me rest within. <laughs> when I think <laughs> about being authentic, it just coming from that place. It flows. It's so beautiful. Yeah, because we don't have to try anymore. We're not putting on an act. We're not right. trying to be something that we're not. So right. it, it takes the stress away. So your book, it's so rich. I have to go back to it because there's so many um, sections that I couldn't read, uh, didn't read yet. You talk about the um, interesting things like the adaptation stages of stress. So that I never heard before. Interesting. Um, 
that stress can become an addiction and that most of us yes. are addicted to it. And you have positive and negative stress. You have lots of teaching tips throughout the book and um, oh, so many subjects that I wrote here that I won't be able to discuss at this time because of the time, the human-made limiting time idea. <laughs> and then, um, oh, interesting, fear and the cell danger response. And then you have lots of practices, tons of it, beautiful practices like practicing self-compassion, mindfulness, relaxation. I love another one. You have the opening, the heart. Oh, yes. That's a beautiful yeah. one, too. So many wonderful practices there that we can benefit from, not just the body, but the mind and the spirit. I love the also chapter 14, which is the chanting mantras. It's a mantra chapter. You have a chanting mantras with gratitude there, too. Um, so many. It's rich. Thank you so much, Fiona, for the work. Well, thank you for, thank you for liking it. <laughs> <laughs> It was the work of heart. <laughs> the heart, the warmth, that the truth, it can be felt. It is interesting, even in words or in anything. It's fascinating how it's energy, right, Fiona, these things. So some say that life is energy, even science proves that. And that makes sense to me because it can be felt. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, my teacher, Adya Shanti, talks a lot about this, how you can, he, he says you can pick up a book and feel what the energies of it and all I can say is that that was a work of heart because I was writing that from my own experience I mean obviously my own knowledge as a yoga teacher but also it was kind of paralleled by this journey of my husband who's very slowly dying and I don't mean that in a negative way I mean that in a very beautiful way because that kind of it was like the, the two journeys became connected and that's why it was a work of heart because I was just writing from my soul really as he was uh you know, slowly slipping away. Um, and it was, his ending was so beautiful, um, or the connection between us was, I should say. And then, yeah, you know, then I handed the manuscript in. And you say in a beautiful way too that I have here. As I write this, my husband is very ill with cancer and we have both been through the many challenges that this illness brings. My way of dealing with this is to accept what is happening and allow myself space to grieve, rent, and cry, and to be as present as I can since each day is so uncertain. What is your relationship with death or losing the physical body? I, I used to, when I was younger, I was absolutely terrified of it. And that was one of the reasons I kind of went on this spiritual quest which I've been on for most of my life. Um, and now I have a very healthy relationship with it. I don't feel frightened um, at all. Having said that, obviously, we don't know when the time comes. Maybe there will be fear. But I feel that, I mean, obviously, nobody knows. But I feel fairly certain that there is something more and that we go into the light and that, you know, if we can serve and live, live the best life we can, then that's contributing towards something afterwards. I, you know, I, I don't know. I can't put it into words really, but that's just my feeling. And I, I mean, I've spoken to many psychics, people who've had near death experiences, uh, 
people who've astral traveled. So there's definitely, and I've had my own experience myself. Um, I've had a kind of out of body, non dual experience. So I know that there's more than just is here on the physical plane. I mean, I know that from my own experience. That might be the ultimate letting go and surrender that moment. It is, isn't it? Yes. Some say that it's very important to die before we die. Yes. So yeah, my it. teacher says that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Surrender completely to life. Yeah. yeah. And that is unconditional love, isn't it, Fiona? And trust. Yeah. So yes. a word in uh, the Yoga Sutra is called Shraddha, which means trust. It means, uh, you know, complete faith, mm. complete trust. What is another word for healing? Love. And what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I'm here now. I will die. There is beauty in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, I could say yes forever <laughs> to that beauty of being here now and uh, without resistance. I love your work, though. I love your presence. I love your work. I love the well, intention. Well, I, I love everything. your work, too. I think you're, you're such a beautiful person. And thank you so much for contacting me. I'm, you know, it's such a joy. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you, Fiona. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So I have a website, and it's basically my name. So that's uh, Fiona Agambar, spelled as one word, .co.uk. I've also got a YouTube channel, which I've only just set up. So people are beginning to subscribe to that. So I put some of my practices on that. And I'm also on Facebook. Definitely have the website there on your podcast profile. Oh, and I, sorry, I should just very quickly say that I have my, a Facebook group called mm. uh, Gentle Yoga with Fiona, Gentle Yoga for Fatigue with Fiona. So yes. that's a specific group for people with fatigue who want to come and do yoga with me. Please send me the link. I don't have that link, but if you send it to me, I will have on your podcast profile too. I will, yes. Thank you again, Fiona, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Fiona Agambar and her work, please visit fionaagambar.co.uk. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.